0: Hello friends, Patrick McFarlane here of the Liberty Bigly podcast coming at you with yet another episode. I'm on a roll today doing one every day because I have all these thoughts in my head to put on the podcast. <laughs> um, my lovely wife is cooking dinner in the background like any good woman should do for her husband. She nods in agreement with tinfoil in her hands. Yes. Yes. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm not ragging you. It's the authentic podcasting experience, right? Um, yeah, so today I wanted to talk just briefly about jailhouse attorneys and how and why you shouldn't be one and how to avoid being one. And I'm using the term jailhouse attorneys very loosely because it could be anyone. You see it a lot in jailhouse attorneys, though. Um, and the term is referring to... By jailhouse attorney, I'm referring to a style, but traditionally, I guess, jailhouse attorneys would be a prisoner who has been in prison for a very long time and is conducting his own appeals process, and he has nothing to do but sit and study law for his own appeal. So he writes all of his own documents um, and all of his own filings on his case. Or it could be someone um, who is maybe a sovereign citizen. And I'm referring that into the bad way as the posse comitatus. I've kind of talked about this a little bit on the podcast before, and I can't find the link right now. I haven't searched very hard, but I'll see if I can throw it in the show notes page. It might've been a nugget buried in with a different titled and topic podcast, but I know I remember talking about it at one point in time, but so you also see it in the sovereign citizen, as I said, Posse Comitatus. But I think there might be overlap with our communities, and that's what I'm kind of concerned about and maybe why I am thought that I should make this podcast in the first place, because there are people, you know, you get when you are involved in a case, and this is the reason why a lot of attorneys won't handle their own cases. They will get a referral, to some other attorney because you lose your objectivity when you are prosecuting your own case or defending yourself. You, you're you wrapped up in the game. You have stake in it. You get emotional. You don't see the facts objectively, and you can't evaluate what your better arguments would be. And that's a problem because you don't win that way. And winning is important, especially when your freedom is on the line. And so what I'm particularly referring to... Is the style of writing that you see most often with jailhouse attorneys, and the style of writing is very conclusory. You make a lot of conclusory statements when you are practicing jailhouse attorney um, practicing law as a jailhouse attorney. So, and I don't mean to be lofty and academic either, because in my podcast and in my professional career, I advocate for open access to justice, that people should be able to have their own legal counsel and have access to the judicial system. So please don't take this by any means as elitism on my part. I think that while it is hard for the average person, and this might be part of our justice system in general, is that it's hard for the average person to communicate with the courts and participate in it. And customary legal systems that I've also done episodes on, link in the show notes page, have more participatory legal systems. I don't know if that's necessarily the best way to go, but just keep this in mind when you, if you're interacting with the courts, is that even attorneys usually don't handle their own cases because you lose that objectivity. But, however, if you are going to prosecute your own case or handle your own case, or try and defend yourself in the court system, and there could be good reasons to do so. Uh, You might not understand it. Maybe you get a public defender, and you, you are emotionally invested, and they don't do a good job of client control and explaining things to you, and they don't put in their maximum effort. You could get screwed over, or it could just be that you don't understand what's going on, and you feel like you've gotten screwed over, even though you got a decent resolution or the best resolution that you were going to get. But when you're going through this process, you need to avoid making conclusory statements. And this is what jailhouse attorneys do. They make conclusory statements. They say, my Fourth Amendment right was violated. The police officer came up to me and he didn't have probable cause for the stop and my Fourth Amendment right was violated. Therefore, I'm entitled to relief okay, that's a conclusory statement. You're putting forward an assertion and a conclusion without doing the legwork, which is saying because, uh, because, because, because. And you learn this a lot and you practice this a lot when you're getting ready for the bar exam because a hallmark sign of an attorney, a good attorney, is, well, one, legal writing style, which is the IRAC format that I've talked about on the podcast before in... Another episode, and I'm making all this work for myself, damn it, but another episode called How to Read a SCOTUS Opinion, and I talk about the legal writing format, which is IRAC, Issue, Rule, Analysis, Conclusion. You have to be very methodical when you do these things, and when you, when you do legal writing and when you do oral advocacy on, on your own behalf, um, you need to keep the IRAC format in mind to structure your arguments and issue, rule, analysis, conclusion, IRAC. A lot of jailhouse attorneys miss the issue part. They also miss the rule part, and they miss the analysis part, and skip right to the conclusion part. And that's how you would know a jailhouse attorney. Often, jailhouse attorneys will try to impress as well by using a thesaurus when they shouldn't. Um, when, you're, when you're writing legal briefs, the shorter... The the more succinct that you can state something while conveying your message, the better. And you're not going to impress anyone by using a thesaurus and try to use fancy words and fancy legal terms either. Um, I hear a lot of people use the term malum prohibitum crimes. Don't use that. <laughs> I mean, don't use that in a brief. Le- attorneys don't use the phrase malum prohibitum. And if you do use that phrase, you'll probably out yourself as maybe a sovereign citizen type or, or I don't know, they'll just disregard you based on certain words that you use. So be very careful of using parlance. And this is not legal advice, by the way. Um, I'm just kind of pontificating off of things that I've seen. So my advice would be to get an attorney uh, and seek your own counsel. But so... Don't use use three words when only one word is needed. Make sure that you're writing methodically. Use the IRAC format. First, state your issue. Was it a legal stop? That would be a good issue. And then for the rule, you search the case law. You start broadly using a funnel-like approach. You start broadly saying that the Bill of Rights applies to the states through the color of the 14th Amendment. Then you get a little more specific saying that Terry v. Ohio states that a stop is only valid when the officer has reasonable articulable suspicion that criminal activity is afoot. Right? And then you move down with the case law and narrow in on your specific issue when you're crafting your rule section. So, you start with the broad you know, 14th the uh, the bill of rights applies to the states through the 14th amendment, then Terry v. Ohio, then go down with your local Case law, in in your your circuit courts, you know your appellate courts decisions, uh, your state supreme court decisions, put those in there, and then once you've laid out those rules, then you do an application, and this is where the because comes in handy, and where you must include the because. Well, why should I do this? You know why, why, why? Because, because, because. And if it specifically is, let's say, a traffic stop situation, you can't just say, it was an illegal stop because my rights were violated under Terry v. Ohio. You used it because there, but you didn't say why. Well, um, you can say there, let's say they claim that the stop was for a traffic violation. Well, the there's no, it was an illegal stop because there was no, um, There was no reason under Terry V. Ohio to stop the car because the cop could not have seen my taillight that was out. Why is that? Because someone was driving behind me the whole time or, you know, something like that. I'm just making up facts on the fly. But you can, you know, there was one where, or let's say you got a citation for a windshield that was cracked or something. This is, I don't think it's a criminal offense, but you could say, Oh, okay. This is a good one. So the police officer pulled me over. The stated reason for the stop is because there was reasonable suspicion for the stop because there was a windshield crack that obstructed the view of the driver. Or there was a a crack in the windshield, they'll say. Well, the real law is that a crack in the windshield is not illegal unless it obstructs the view of the driver. So you could say there was no reasonable uh, articulable suspicion for the stop under Terry V Ohio. Why? Because the crack did not obscure my vision. Because the crack was only two centimeters from the bottom of the windshield. And and use those reasons and and write methodically. And that's what jailhouse attorneys often fail to do. So I think that's a pretty good lesson to be learned and take away. Now I said, I think there's some overlap in the communities. Oh, yeah. And don't forget to do your conclusion. So when you write your conclusion, issue rule analysis conclusion, you write your conclusion, you state, you know, why again, and then you sum up the reasons why and then punch it home. Ask for the proper relief. I would ask that this be dismissed or whatever, you know, that summary judgment not be granted or what have you. In that case, you would ask for summary judgment to be granted or it's different for criminal cases, whatever. But so there's that. Um, I'll expound just a little bit here on these jailhouse attorneys and posse comitatus people. I I mean, as a libertarian, even though the state is invalid and all those different things, it's probably a very rare day in which you're going to be able to go into a courtroom and school everyone school legal professionals on your legal knowledge, grabbing legal authority from antiquity or these legal loopholes that you think that are, is going to make you win that all these other people haven't heard before or haven't, um, you know, legal professionals haven't interacted with before. And probably your best bet. I mean, the court is on, you know, the government is unjust, but, Once they have you in its grip, you're know you going to dance with the bear as long as the bear wants to dance with you. And maybe the best way is to get a real attorney to handle your case and not handle your case yourself. Because that attorney knows what the rules are, and you have to play by the rules when you're dancing with the bear. When you're dancing with the bear, you play by the bear's rules, and then you get the best result that you can. And you need someone who's objective, not emotionally involved in the case. I mean, you you make the decisions, but the objective person is going to tell you what your chances are, what the best way to proceed is. And another reason why I want to maybe criticize or critique jailhouse attorneys or sovereign citizen types or posse comitatus types is because they rely on positive law for their arguments. I mean, it's not just that they're playing by the, the court's rule or it's not just that they're not playing by the court's rules, and just kind of citing these loophole authorities. It's the fact that they're citing authorities. I mean, they're not making a natural law argument. Of course, that natural law argument probably wouldn't win. I mean, if you'd be able to, um, if you'd be able to grill the justices or grill the judge, you don't get that opportunity and walk them through why the state is invalid you can't really do that but you what these people often do is they rely on authority and that's positive law. They'll cite court decisions as to why the, the court's judgment doesn't um, doesn't apply or they will cite the Posse Comitatus act to say that they're their own sovereign citizen or they will cite the Magna Carta or they will cite the Constitution. Okay, maybe you should cite the Constitution in these cases, but what I'm trying to say is is that those are all pieces of positive law. It is man-made law. What we are, I mean, if you're gonna like try and blow up the court, do it the right way and argue. I mean, it's not gonna work. But if you're gonna try it, do it the right way and actually argue for natural law arguments and don't argue for what one person said. Because inherently, that's kind of accepting the authority of the court if you're going to cite the court's own decisions. So if you're going to try and nuke the system, do it right and go full. You know, even Lysander Spooner was a positive law guy. I mean, he cited authority for why the Constitution doesn't exist, even the Magna Carta. So that's just my two bits. Um, Sometimes you come up, you run into this stuff in practice. And I just don't want other libertarians to be that guy because I know how attorneys react to this and I know how legal professionals react to this. And so just hire a lawyer, someone who knows what they're doing, because you're probably just going to make a fool of yourself. But if you are, I mean, if you are going to take this upon yourself, it is your right. I don't think it's wise because the reasons I put out already. Um, But if you're going to advocate on your own behalf, make sure you use the IRAC format, find the right authority and educate yourself about which law applies in which scenarios and make sure that you do not overuse a thesaurus, write succinctly and make sure that someone you have someone spell check it for God's sake. So, all right. Well, this has been the Liberty Bigly podcast. Thanks again for tuning in for another episode. I hope. This one was short and sweet. I should listen to my own rules about speaking and writing succinctly, but this is a, a stream of consciousness show. So let's see. Welcome any new listeners. If I got from my regular episode that was on the Liberty Weekly podcast, you know how to support me. That's a patreon.com forward slash Liberty Weekly, libertyweekly.net forward slash Amazon, where you do your regular Amazon shopping through my affiliate link. Um, Also, sign up for my email list, libertyweekly.net forward slash email, forward slash discord for the Discord channel, and forward slash r slash, uh, well, the Reddit is up there too, reddit.com r slash libertyweekly, and you get access to the Reddit community. That's all for today. Thanks. Peace out.